COVID pod conversations about the coronavirus epidemic and the times around it. So here with me today is Sarah Richards, who is a nurse at the Skåne University Hospital in Malmö, Sweden. She is currently studying to be a geriatric nurse and has a lot of experience working with elderly patients. Welcome. Thank you. The first question I wanted to ask was how all of this has been in terms of your work, your colleagues uh, at the hospital. How has the situation been unfolding over the last few weeks and as you prepare for the coming weeks? So I I haven't been working so much. I've been working a couple of shifts, but uh, I I'm in contact with my colleagues and uh, it seems like the hospital is preparing to uh, to take care of a lot of patients and kind of making changes to to have enough uh, disinfection and stuff. Uh, we have these masks, like the filter masks, which are the proper ones. They are locked in, so uh, so they won't be stolen. We know where they are. Okay. And um, the disinfection is also locked in. Uh, we've had incidents where it's been stolen. And they also, like, they reuse the hand disinfection. Mm-hmm. They reuse the plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it, they are refilled, mm-hmm. uh, which we don't usually do that. We usually throw them away. But now we send them to a, a special place and they refill the bottles. Just, are... just to make sure that you can keep up with the demand for yeah. hand sanitizer. And I guess they've got, like, a, a bathtub san- sanitizer somewhere and they can refill the, the Within the hospital bottles. system, yeah, yeah. there's, I, like, a... I don't know where they got it from, but yeah. There's, there's a like, bulk dispenser of yes, hand sanitizer. Yes. yes. Well, that is good to mm, have in these then, times. Uh, then I've or well, I've been contacted by like uh, a crisis management made, team. Yeah, management team. To um, like, if you if we want to work now while we're studying, we're more than welcome. And there are more beds opening in Lund, uh, and they need staff. So and that might happen here in Malmo as well. Right. So um, Lund is a town that is really close to Malmö which also has a really big hospital and I imagine in the southern part of Sweden Lund and Malmö will be uh, big centers for treatment of incoming patients. Lund and Malmö would be the area that has the most intensive care in in the southern Sweden. Right. I don't think that the, the increased demand has really peaked yet like I don't think we even had an increased demand but everybody's just waiting for it like it'll happen soon and also the patients are uh, like redirected so but now they go they go to the infection ward they think they think that they might have covid so they get screened first they get screened and they wait for the results and they are isolated in the infection clinic and then when they don't need to be isolated anymore they come to the medical ward instead so we get patients like flowing in a different uh, direction there needs to be beds in the infection clinic when the COVID patients come, they can go directly there and be isolated so they don't infect anybody else. And how many beds are typically in the infection unit? Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe between 20 and 30. But then is there a possibility to add wards if there would be more demand for... I think so. I think there is a whole ward that they can open up there as well. But the like the thing is uh, staff, they need people to, to work. Right. And that's like that's been... An issue before coronavirus that uh, we're lacking nurses, especially nurses, and wards are partially or completely closing down because there aren't enough nurses mm. and not enough experienced nurses. Mm. 
But how do you feel about the ability of the hospital to meet the coming demand? Do you feel optimistic? Do you see signs for optimism? Or are you uh, worried that it's going to be total chaos? I can feel both. Working with people and people that work with people want to make it work. I think like most of us would be happy to help out. But pushing ourselves. Yeah, working extra shifts. Just to make it, just to get through it. Yeah, but using your staff like that is not a good thing. Like when you feel, when you feel used. Well, in this crisis, we really get a new insight into all of the rules that we really cannot do without as a society. Often rules that are underappreciated definitely underpaid mm-hmm. and it is these people who even as other sectors of the economy are able to take a step back these rules still need to keep doing what they're doing in order to keep society functioning these are nurses preschool teachers mm-hmm. and teachers in general and postmen people stocking supermarket shelves that yeah. are having to do work under extra stressful circumstances just so we can get ourselves through this. And I really hope that there will be a time when we recover from this as a society, when we can properly appreciate and thank mm-hmm. those of us who've really been holding it together for yeah. the rest of us. To make I, it hope so. I hope so too. But I think like working as a nurse, I get a lot of credit and love and everything all, like all the time. It's a very, um, very nice profession in that way. It's very giving yes. on a personal level. Yeah. And there is a big trust to, towards nurses and in general. People like trust you for who you are in your prof- professional role. Mm-hmm. But we were struggling a bit before this happened. We're enough people on the ward, but we are not, we don't have like the right experience, the right knowledge, the right educate level of education. We don't get people to stay in the same workplace long enough people move and one part of it is the pay but it's more about like the work conditions exactly the work conditions mm-hmm. and the demands uh, of the job i've heard are pretty yeah. high for nurses yeah and it's not like i'm hoping for a crisis but if if everything just works out fine that would just show that there is enough staff and there's no need to change anything yeah so in one way, I want, I want this to be obvious, that we need a change in the system. Not just during this pandemic, but no. also going forward. Yeah. So there is a bigger push to staff the wards a bit better, to educate mm-hmm. and train the people who are there. To have people doing the right things. Like, don't use a nurse to do bureaucracy. Right. Or use the right profession to do what only they can do. Yeah. It is in times like this when we are pushed to make the most of our resources that perhaps we can gain some insight into the inefficiencies of how we normally work. I hope so. And I really think so. Yeah. I was also wondering, as you are a nurse with a lot of experience working with older patients who are, of course, at the highest risk for adverse outcomes and fatality, Mm-hmm. If you could share your thoughts about how they might be seeing this situation unfold. I'm sure that there's lots of individual differences between different people. Mm-hmm. Well, my experience of, of working with elderly is that they are very different. Like 
They are very much individuals. Uh, some are worried about everything and very concerned with their medical state and have a lot of worry. And some are more content. Um, yeah, I'd say they, they are very, very different. Like this is me guessing as well, but I'd say that there's there's a lot of a lot of people who are older that feel alone, and for them to be in in uh, like a voluntary isolation, isolation would be quite tough. Right. And it's like it's gorgeous spring weather right now. I can see how they would go out meet their friends, and that's also a very very important part of life. In fact, the public health agency in Sweden has not yet restricted individuals from going out and enjoying the fine spring weather, including the elderly, although it strongly recommends that people do so while maintaining social distancing and restricting such outings to wide open spaces like parks. Well, I was actually just realizing that one of the things that has made the self-isolation which is so expansive in many countries at the moment. Mm-hmm. One of the things that makes it manageable for most of us is that we have our phones and our social yeah. media, our friends are quite close to us through our devices. But this is perhaps also something that makes it a bit challenging, more so for the elderly than for... Yeah, because they don't use that in the same way that uh, the younger generations do. Mm. Yeah. One thing, though, that I uh, wonder, mm-hmm. I grew up in India, and mm-hmm. generally, and I lost my parents when they were young, when I was younger, and so I have, I recognize a different attitude towards death than I think is average in Sweden. I have a greater acceptance of it, yeah. and perhaps we do in a place like India, mm. have a greater acceptance of death generally than over so. here. I was wondering how it might be for older people who feel like maybe they have had a good life and, you know, everyone has mm. to die of something, Yeah, that perhaps they are not so worried about getting infected with covid because it's yeah it's another cold and you know if it's the thing that takes them away that Mm -hmm. they are perhaps prepared or maybe they're not prepared i don't know but i wonder if there's maybe um greater resistance from society and from family and and so on over here to allow that to happen because in some sense death is inevitable and this this coronavirus is primarily killing people who are closer to the end of life and whether some of the panic that we are seeing in society is perhaps with a but there, there is a big uh, like non-acceptance towards dying. It's like it's not accepted. It's not accepted to to want to die, to be happy with your life, and feel like um, I am, I'm like I'm only suffering now. I want to like I'm happy with what, what I had. There's no acceptance for that. You should like fight until to you the last until moment. The bitter end. Yeah, even yeah. if you have a quite a poor life quality. Mm. That is my experience in general. 
that being, is an outcome. Being, yeah, being happy with life, not wanting to live anymore. Or perhaps also being... Or being, being, unha- being unhappy. unhappy with life. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and that, that, just... that, like, that prevents people from having a good conversation about what they want end of life to be. What, what do I want my last months or weeks and days to be? Or do I want to... Do I want to be like almost sedated so I don't feel any pain, or do I want to, um, do I want to be in pain so I can feel that I'm actually still alive? Um, do I want to spend have my friends and family around me? Do I want to solve whatever things I need to solve before I go? Mm-hmm. What's important now that there is an acceptance about life ending? Like you, you're not able to have those kind of conversations, mm-hmm. and then like some people do, of course, and mm-hmm. a lot of people do, but. I think that would, we would benefit from, from doing it more, from talking about... It as a natural part of life, yeah. instead of something that should be... Avoided. Which well, it cannot. Yeah. It cannot. <laughs> as of yet. Well, Sarah, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your insights into the situation as a nurse. And I was wondering if you had any last thoughts to share with us? I can share a joke with you. Oh, that's a corona great. joke. Oh, wow. So this, um, uh, I used to cover my farts by coughing. And oh. now I cover my coughs by farting. <laughs> Is that something you came up with? No, I farted. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a nurse's joke in the COVID situation. Or... Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for that. End of interview. Thanks for listening.